0: Welcome back to season two, sort of two, of this podcast. It's also like season 200. There's been 400 episodes. Uh, Welcome to the Buddhist Centre podcast with me, Chandra Dasa. And I am very, very happy post-pandemic to be back here live at the Gen X conference in North America. Avid listeners of the podcast will remember us doing a lovely episode some years ago. And was it 2018?
1: 2019.
0: 2019. As ever, if you enjoy this podcast, please tell your friends about it. Please share it with your community. Even better, go to wherever you get your podcasts and leave a really peachy five-star review for us because it matters. The world is totally awash with podcasts, is what I like to say. And it actually matters if somebody recommends it to you and says, this is great, listen. If you enjoy the stories, the voices, the records of Buddhist practice that you hear today, share it. Tell someone about it. I'm absolutely thrilled to be at the One Dharma Centre with some new friends, some old friends, the One Dharma Centre near the Catskill Mountains in beautiful New York State. It's been baking hot for about five days that we've been here together and we've just finished the closing circle so everyone's heart is full. So let's welcome our team. On my left we have Dharmachari Ananta. Hello,
2: I'm Ananta, I live in New York. You can probably hear that I'm from the UK but I live in New York City. I'm um, we'll into Trirana. And next to after
0: we have Stephanie, who just led the closing circle with me.
3: Thank you for having me. I'm Stephanie Tate. I'm the guiding teacher for the All Star Dharma Collective. We're in the Theravadan or the Insight Meditation tradition.
0: Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. And we have the incomparable Vimalasara, who's Vimlasara's been on this podcast a number of times, so <laughs> an old hand. Welcome, Vimalasara.
4: <laughs> Old hand? I want to be a new fresh hand. Hola. Vimlasara, chair of Vancouver Buddhist Centre and ordained into the Tri Ratna Buddhist Order.
0: And my friend Singa we'll tell that story in a second, will we? <laughs> sure. Let's just welcome Singa and we'll hear the story of me and Singa trying to get here.
1: Hello, I'm Singa Shri. I'm American, but I live in London and I'm also ordained in the Triratna Buddhist Order. Very happy to be here. So we were driving down Route 93 in Massachusetts and We ended up with a broken air compressor, which we didn't know that that was the problem. And it took us a very long time to find someone to take the car because post-COVID, yada yada. And we ended up spending the first night of the conference in hotel on Route 5 in Springfield, Massachusetts. Yay, Springfield, Massachusetts. (laughs) And we had really good pizza at the Red Rose, if you're ever in Springfield. (laughs) We had the
0: best pizza. (laughs) And the best time, actually. It was a really nice... Our friendship
1: was forged in the cauldron of the epic catastrophe that was a broken (laughs) air compressor on the hottest day of the year.
0: <laughs> the experience of standing in a hot street in Springfield, Massachusetts, trying to call around all the garages with my accent, <laughs> it was just not working. On my right, we have Claire from.
5: Hi, I'm Claire Bierrell. I am with Don Mountain Center for Tibetan Buddhism in Houston, Texas, from the Vajrayana tradition.
0: And a new friend, another new friend from this week, Zangmo.
6: Zangmo, I'm a Lama or teacher in the Kaju and Numa
7: lineages of Tibetan Buddhism. And next to Zangmo, we have Tenzin David Zimmerman. I'm the Abiding Abbot at the San Francisco Zen Center, and I am of the Soto Zen tradition. And last but definitely not least, Our
0: good friend Upayadi Hey everybody, I'm
8: Upayadi And I live in Harlem, New York And I'm a member of the True Ratna Buddhist
0: Order It's really fabulous to have everyone Thank you for agreeing to this Especially when it's kind of past everybody's big time Everybody's been very generous as ever We just finished, or sort of finished the conference We'll have another practice tomorrow morning And then we'll scatter to the four winds We finished by taking the theme of the conference Which is past, present, future And ritually setting fire to it. Is that accurate? We did, yes. yeah. yeah we, did. We, we wrote down something that we'd like to leave behind from the past, something that we're alive in gratitude for in the present moment and a Dharma aspiration to take forward into the future. And it's very beautiful to chant the mantra, wishing all beings well, as we ritually burned those aspirations and those letting goes and that gratitude together and watched the smoke rise into the dust. Into the gathering dark with the fireflies. So maybe it'd be good to hear from someone about what's in your heart right now, having been through that ritual, Stephanie. Since you led the ritual, you get to go first.
3: Oh, I get to go first. I'm really feeling this just place of uh, heartfelt time well spent, new friendships forged, new and old coming together again, and how important it feels after time away and through this pandemic, and you know how we've all tried to serve our communities. It felt really poignant to let it go, you know, as we walk forward, to just look forward. You know, we're going to go off alone, but together. Hmm. We're hosted by the One Dharma community, a relatively new lineage. Amazing,
0: amazing community. Somebody was going to be here from the One community and they weren't able to at the last minute, but I'd like to just speak and say that they are a fantastic community. And their motto on the lovely water bottle they gifted us is, together we move forward, which really picks up that theme.
8: If I could add to that, we were close by, so we're here in Hudson, New York, right, which is just two hours away from New York City. And the one Buddhist community over the years since they've established themselves here have been incredibly generous with other Buddhist communities who don't necessarily have a home or a retreat center. We've had the good fortune of hosting 3 retreats mm. here before and really, really welcomed into a family in a completely seamless way. You can really feel the sedimentation of practice, collective residential practice for years. Mm.
1: And they very generously drove us to two different options for our field trip this afternoon. So one group went hiking to a waterfall another group of us went swimming in a nearby lake. And yeah, I was really grateful to them for offering that. While I was swimming the lake, I was reflecting that the conference is a bit like coming up for air every couple of years <laughs> and looking around and seeing your friends bobbing in the water nearby and going, how's it going over there in your corner of the lake?
7: <laughs> I'm paddling as fast
3: as I can over here.
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: But was there ice cream? We had ice cream.
4: Oh, you went for ice yes, cream? Yes, we heard about that. We also, <laughs> we also heard about the excursion to the candy store. Oh, oh. Too. yeah, that happened. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I feel what's in my heart at the moment is I feel like I've just arrived and I want to carry on. The time that we've been here, I feel like I've been developing friendships and kind of meeting new people and building connections. And I want that to continue. It's the first time that I've come to this conference. so. Obviously, I know the tree rat of folk here, but meeting everyone else pretty much for the first time. And there's so much commonality. There's so much that we have explored about what we've gone through as Dharma teachers over the pandemic and what we're still struggling with. There's just there's a lot of resonance. And I've really felt like I've responded to a lot of that and born friendships and greater understanding of what people are experiencing and working with.
4: Two things are what I'm gonna take away in my heart is the way the one Buddhist represent the Buddha through this gold circle. And this gold circle represents the Buddha's mind. But for me, just reflecting on it, just this emptiness, but yet it's full. And there's just something really powerful about that. And just remembering the rupa form is new, that once upon a time, the Buddha was represented by the baking bowl and the, the robe or the footsteps or the tree. And so it's just brought something back for me, just a sitting with this symbolism. And then what's in my heart is just how the normalising of being a Buddhist, this is what I love about coming to these gatherings and just being with Buddhists from other lineages, that it just normalises my life because when I go back, I'm in this silo and you know, I'm just with my little Buddhist sangha and then I go out into the world, but just to hang out with mates and peers and yeah, that's medicine for me.
5: For me, it's nice to come together, especially after a time of like two and a half years now of feeling so isolated and so separate, my sangha is entirely online now, you know? So meeting with y'all has really been for me the first time of being in person with a sangha since COVID started. So to me, to do that ritual together, to have the closing on such a magical evening, and Asara mentioned, it's like medicine. I feel like my tanks are filled back up, like I have something to keep me going. (laughs) Maybe not for two years, but for a while. (laughs) It feels to me like the end of one phase of the new post-pandemic world.
7: And what I really find myself nourished by is being inspired by everyone else here and what they're doing and the creativity and the heart mind and you know i like to maybe steal ideas or borrow ideas or you know get some seeds that i can plant in my own garden and be able to really water those and then you know over the years reconnect back and share what fruit has this exchange born for us and how is it developing and what are you discovering in that process and just being able to encourage each other and trying new things, I just really find that, you know, taking back home all the wisdom and the love and the creative possibilities for cultivating the Dharma and this mm-hmm. wonderful Dharma field that we're all trying to nurture.
0: Yeah, I guess one of the things I was thinking about was the last time I was here in person It was also very encouraging, but it felt like a weightier, almost heavier kind of event. We were talking a lot about the difficulties in all of our communities in the past. we're exploring healthy boundaries training really unpacking what it's like to inherit a community that's gone through its initial phases and had problems and we're the sort of generation that are in the middle we're not the founders we're not even the first disciples of the founders we're picking something up and one of the beauties of this conference for me was just the lightness Mm. there's so much lightness and so much creativity and encouragement the absence of tension some people might think if you put of different Buddhists in a room together, there's bound to be some <laughs> tension. It's not a bit of it. It's really, really beautiful.
6: I felt that way too. And also, from what David said, like I really just enjoyed doing other lineages' practices and seeing like how it was different, like how it affected my mind. And you know, just like a little bit of like gap from my lineage could be filled by another lineage.
4: Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah, I really appreciated the session you did. Somatic Vajrayana, where we hummed together and chanted together and visualized Chenrezig. In the Tarotna tradition, that's Avalokiteshvara. So we had an image of the four-armed Avalokiteshvara, which is a a Buddha, a Bodhisattva. And yeah, there was something in just the way that you framed it using Resma Madagam's book, My Grandmother's Hands, and talking about how when you first read that book, well, maybe you should say a bit more about it. Well, one thing I
6: appreciated Bill Massar bringing in that it's the trans-deity because Chen Rizzi is known as he, and then as Canon and Kuan Yin are known as she. And so just like the fact that out of emptiness anything can arise. As far as it being a somatic practice, that was something I wasn't expecting when I read the book. my grandmother's hands, what I was surprised to find was that all of the recommendations that Rosman gave for both individuals and communities to sort of settle and soothe ourselves. And he uses the word belonging, find a sense of belonging with each other. So many of the techniques he recommended were already there in the Vajrayana. And it re-inspired my own faith in my practice to hear him say it in the terms that he did. Since then, I've just had over and over that experience because it was in COVID quarantine that I read the book and so I experienced that individually and then when I went back to my Sangha and then when we created our Sangha you know just last night or the other night then um, experiencing that sense of belonging together through the techniques that are from the Buddha and from my lineage having that reframed has been like really beautiful for me
7: mm.
0: sometimes it felt a bit as if I would feel just through the week there was a bit of looking into a Buddhist kaleidoscope (laughs) like somebody over here would say Chenrezig or the word Sadhana or someone over here would talk about the Pali Canon and then you the chanting to Amitabha Buddha going on and it just felt like there was this beautiful composite picture but it was like watching light fracture or something you you could never quite pin down what is Buddhism and what is the Dharma but all of us were and that seems to be one of the flavours of this particular gathering is here comes all of us all of us as Dharma practitioners all of us as Buddhists
3: As we were sitting around through the closing circle tonight, I had this moment of reflection and I mean this and the best compliment ever. I thought, what a quirky lot we are. (laughs) (laughs) Who in their right minds dedicates their entire lives to this path. We do. And we do this for the benefit of all beings and what an amazing quirky life we live, right? This is certainly not for everybody. (laughs) And in the sharing how beautifully different and same each person's intention was. I like the way that you say kaleidoscope. I felt like there's what a beautiful tapestry we have. Mm -hmm. And all the flavors that we can go out and touch, those that can hear it in that flavor, right? So when the Buddha talks about speaking the idiom of the people, I really believe we have all these schools because it is what serves the different. Mm -hmm flavors, uh, people that come to the Dharma, whether it's just for a taste or it's, you know, crazy, like we are, <laughs> completely immersed and said, you know what, this is it. This is what we're doing, right?
4: <laughs> I mean, what this conversation reminds me of is when you, Sing Shri, led a retreat for my Sangha, and one of the questions you posited was, who are your people? Mm-hmm. And actually, when I'm here, these are my people, you are my people as Dharma practitioners, because We have that thing in common, don't we?
1: We were talking a little bit about the themes of sameness and difference. That was one of the themes that came up. And you read that lovely quote. I was wondering if you still have it on you and if you could share it with us.
7: So in terms of the quote regarding difference and Zen tradition, we say difference in equality or difference in harmony. It has many different ways of being expressed. This quote is from Kategori Roshi, and I have it at the bottom of my email signature to continue reminding me. And the words before it is, not two, not one. And then this is the actual quote. We have to see everything in equality, but that doesn't mean there is no difference. We have to see equality, but not in the realm of equality. We have to see equality in the realm of differentiation. Differentiation must be formed, not in differentiation, but in equality. What I appreciate at that is this wholeness, this oneness, this seeing of whole beingness, but recognizing that that can only be truly seen, and we see the uniqueness of every being, every aspect of our beings, and to be able to hold those simultaneously. And the importance of doing it and this again it's the vision of relative, absolute and relative and absolute together, which I have heard here a number of times.
4: It's a very central teaching. I found it really interesting you bringing in the Sankofa into the conference because it's something which is very pivotal to my culture in terms of that enslavement, that whole kind of thing of going back and fetching and when we were taken we couldn't take anything with us. And that whole Sankofa of going back and fetching what you need. So it was just really interesting. It was like, oh, I found myself turning around. So I just found it fascinating you bringing into the buddhist context it just would be great for you to explain that a bit yeah well i first
7: heard this term many years ago when i worked in healthcare and it was related to healing aspect so sankofa is uh, a word in the tween language of ghana and it translates essentially to go back and get it meaning to return or to fetch something and the symbol it's a beautiful symbol if you ever see the image that comes with it is this stylized heart-shaped bird that its head is turned backwards but its feet are turned forwards and then in its beak its mouth it has this precious egg sometimes it's a jewel right so this kind of what it is that you can pull forward of wisdom uh, of something of value from whatever in the past particularly if it was difficult if it was painful what is the wisdom aspect that could be brought forward from that to inform a sense of where we are now a sense of who we are now and how we might proceed to go forward in a way that's informed you know so we don't forget the past we include the past we weave it in and it gives us the sense of presencing here now of course, the future is always a matter of what it is that we do now. So, I um, just love how that comes together in that way, in that word, it's on so cool.
2: We were discussing in our group earlier today about how we can cut off from the past or how our past can be cut off from us. they like what you just described. Dilma and, and other people in the States whose heritage is not known or it's not acknowledged. Someone was talking about being Irish-Italian and fully turning towards that because she encountered him a lot of groups that she was seen to be over talkative and too lively and so on, and through acknowledging that aspect of her character she came much more into a relationship with it. It seemed like a really good example of of integration and this idea of Sankofa of this is who I am. This is part of who I am. And if I don't bring it with me, I'm going to be like an elongated bird, like trying to stretch out into the future. But
7: my past is still stuck back somewhere, somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And we might make the same mistakes we did in the past because we haven't learned from those mistakes what we could do differently.
1: Mm That actually reminds me of something about the conference, which is, I don't know if this was by design or if it's just what kind of emerged spontaneously, but there was a lot of attention to somatics, and we were invited to do stretches and movements and I appreciated in the panels there were pauses to get up and do something. So yeah, I just wanted to appreciate that as part of this discussion because it, it felt different than past conferences actually.
0: Just in terms of one other aspect of the conference, having spoken about its lightness and the beauty and the the support and that kind of way, I was very struck by Greg from the Brooklyn Zen Center talking about being met here in a way that he hadn't so far managed to be met around some of his struggles, particularly around social justice work. And he talked about not just wanting a liberal tweak for society, but deep, truly revolutionary cultural change. And that did seem quite present too during the whole event, people bringing their exhaustion their tiredness, not just from the pandemic, but from, in a way, facing the giant mountain of work that's to come. And is that sort of still present for people?
5: Yeah, definitely. For me, this is my third conference. And I think having been to the first two that I attended, I'm really glad I went first because I feel like now I'm in just a more vulnerable place and to be able to come. And I don't even remember who was the first person in a panel to say, I'm not OK. <laughs> not in so many words, but you know, it's like, here's the struggle that I'm going through. To have a Sangha with that kind of trust built up over the years, I needed that so much because it's feeling as though I'm the only one. <laughs> How am I so inadequate that I feel this way? And then to hear, oh no, everyone is having their own echoes of something similar. It was so affirming and so mm. helpful. And like
4: that is the function of Sangha. Mm. <laughs> Listening well. to Greg, just that desire for my Sangha, the true Sangha, to have that same kind of thinking that Greg has. Especially white men and white women to really turn towards this thing of social justice to really see that it's an important part of Buddhist practice. One of the reasons why I come here, because I know it's not all sanghas, but I do really see certain sanghas really taking on this issue of social justice, this issue of gender, this issue of race, this issue of disability really seriously, and actually really seeing that this is an important Buddhist concern and how we have to turn towards it. What's encouraging is
7: to actually hear people say this is difficult, hard, Painful, messy work, and it's essential. Mm-hmm. And folks, it, it can gonna be easy at all. So, mm-hmm. it's like, are you ready for that? And the truth telling in that I think is important. So, we're not fooling ourselves mm-hmm. and pretending it's all gonna be, mm-hmm. you know, glowing lights and la la land. And it's mm-hmm. like, Dharma is. Get to the essential, get to what's true and what's true is painful and difficult and Mm -hmm. And let's you know, let's address it and turn to it. Mm -hmm. And by turning to it, we're able to bring awareness and light and transform it. This is part
3: of this, you know, leaving the past, right? Is is leading this past. There's not one person in this room, I don't think, that hasn't felt the sting in varying degrees of being othered, whether it's Being a person of color or being a woman or being uh, non-binary or being queer queer, or, you know, any of these things, we, we come with our own wounds of being unequal, unseen, unheard. So we know this pain. And I don't see a way of not turning towards it. I think it's our obligation, our duty. The way that I sit with this, and even in the recent ruling on Roe v. Wade, I had a lot of people say, aren't you irate? And I said, I haven't had an equal breath in my life. (laughs) Now, that means that there's, you know, in the system of oppression, there's others that have had less equal breaths. And I do not take that lightly. And I said, so if I wanted to be angry, I'd be always angry. The arc of change is slow. And so I kind of reflect back. This is a Greek adage that wise people plant trees whose shade they'll never enjoy. This is change we won't see, Mm -hmm. right? We're Gen X, we're middle-aged, we're the whatever generation, and yet we just keep doing the work for doing the work. And that to me gives it a sustainability because it's no longer from that anger, that fear. It comes down to the love that I have for myself, for each one of you and then Mm. onward. And that becomes a sustainable practice, a sustainable saying, yeah, I'm probably not going to see the change that I want or that this world needs, but I'm going to do it anyway.
0: And in the short term, that's the thing that stops us othering back. Is so easy to other people back, particularly when they hurt you and when you're encountering just painful, entrenched bits of culture. And I really appreciated that, but this some, some really naughty, K N O T T Y, folks, <laughs> not really kind of naughty. So, some naughty conversations, tricky conversations mm-hmm. about what do we do about the world pushing back with this kind of change that we won't live to see. Because it doesn't feel particularly good to kind of realize that your patients will have to outlast your own lifetime.
4: I'm okay about not seeing that change because as I was saying earlier, I just see where I'm at in my life it's about leaving a legacy for the next generation mm-hmm. to come. What can I leave for them? Mm-hmm. You know. That's what's really important. It's passing the baton on because I have benefited from the legacy of my ancestors they never got this so how i live my life my ancestors never got to live their life like this they never got to see this but i've benefited from it so for me it gives me joy to think wow we can leave something and just think how we're future ancestors basically we are future ancestors <laughs> <We> are. yes <laughs>
1: when we first got here i sat down for lunch and I immediately went into a very deep conversation with David and he said something to me which was my main takeaway from this conference which is he said you know I've realized I'm just the bridge I'm just the bridge between the founding generation and the next generation and that was just so helpful to think in those terms rather than thinking that I have to be like the Mack truck driving over the bridge to get the goods wherever they need to go (laughs) so
6: thank you another hard conversation i appreciated was acknowledging the heritage and the comfort buddhist and being willing to sort of again go to the harder places and a metaphor i came up with was there's the mississippi and missouri rivers merge in my hometown of st louis missouri and my mom told me when i was growing up that actually south of st louis it should be the Missouri River, because that's technically the larger river. But because of the, you know, north to south trajectory of the Mississippi, then it became named the Mississippi south of St. Louis. And that really feels like a metaphor for this heritage and convert Buddhism where the larger tradition, the greater tradition has been the heritage Buddhist, you know, since the eighteen hundreds, with these churches here in America and really like founding Buddhism in America. And then in maybe the sixties or seventies, along came mostly white folks, just non-Buddhist heritage folks in general being like, oh, we started this, like it's just happened right now that's a misnomer, and it's a mistake. And it's something that maybe, you know, needs to be renamed and reframed. And then also, south of St. Louis, it's together, it's one river, and we all are here and together, you know, doing this work together. And I just had a beautiful time talking to heritage Asian folks, and I live with heritage Asian folks, and my monastery is actually, you know, that union. We are the St. Louis of the Buddhist world, you know. I just really appreciate that We're just talking and talking sometimes. It actually is something thing to me.
4: So. Mm-hmm. Before we move on to that, I love that you say heritage Buddhist. I love that term, heritage mm, I think it's, um,
6: if maybe not from mm-hmm. Chen Han, she's certainly the one who made a well-known term.
4: So what do we mean when we say
0: heritage Buddhists?
6: So sometimes it's brought up as a kind of duality or a pair,
8: convert on one hand and heritage on the other. So people who may be didn't begin in the Buddhist tradition and their lives, but at some point turned towards the Dharma and then maybe formally took vows or went through some kind of ritual and identify as Buddhist and are called converts, quote-unquote, versus people who are born into a culture already imbued with the Dharma and so have an inheritance, a heritage, and who are still carrying on that lineage that they've received. But I just want to trouble the waters a bit, because if anyone's really interested in this, Chen Zing Han, you mentioned her book, Be the Refuge, is a beautiful book that goes into this in more depth. And she does problematize it, because there are folks of Asian heritage who also converts, and there are Euro-Americans practicing in heritage communities, and African-Americans practicing in heritage communities. So it's just important to not oversimplify.
7: Tenzing Han herself says, I'm a Convert Buddhist, I'm Asian-American and I'm a Convert Buddhist. Mm -hmm. And it's fine to be a Convert Buddhist.
8: (laughs) Some folks are actually even challenging the word convert because Mm -hmm. some people find that it carries over from a more Abrahamic perspective and are talking about just new
3: Buddhists. Does that mean that we can call ourselves new (laughs) Boos? New to to
8: Buddhism.
0: New Boos, yeah. Well, people do talk in our community about the new Buddhists of India. Mm. which is also a very complex thing to talk about but actually that does it quite nicely the new Buddhists of India
8: (laughs) because basically maybe what I didn't say to be clear is that when we say words like heritage and convert very often and without realising it it's racialized, Mm. right somewhere in the mind it's got heritage equal Asian and convert equal white and actually when we look more clearly at the reality on the ground in our communities that doesn't always Mm-hmm. Translate right. So there's just yeah, making room for complexity and hybrid identities. I think is what Chen Han is really trying to point to in her beautiful book. Um, yeah, I've, I've
4: just bought the book and about to open it up and mm-hmm. read it. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, this is your first conference room. Right? Yes. I was interested in how that's been in terms of you going back into your monastery and that being all sorts of interesting mixes of things going on there. What's yeah, what we we'll
6: find out tomorrow? <laughs> 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 so, yeah, that was actually what I wrote down. In addition to the appreciating about the future aspiration of just I don't know. Then I wrote down that I would really love to be able to integrate within myself the kind of style or expression of myself that comes to this kind of conference maybe isn't always expressed as often at the monastery, and then some kind of vice versa. Everyone probably experiences the going-home feeling and integration as something that is just a little bit of a path in and of itself.
7: Hmm. Mm
5: -hmm.
6: Lupaydi, what were you going to say earlier in response
8: to
1: Vimlasar?
8: It wasn't so much in response to what Vimalasara was saying, but it sparked a memory. When I received my invitation to join the Triratna Buddhist Order, I remember writing to members of this community, the Gen X community from the Maha Sangha, so the larger community, so Dharma friends, beyond Triratna, and writing to them for appreciation and gratitude, and expressing to them that one of the reasons I felt ready to accept this invitation is because I knew you were here. Yeah. I knew there was a larger net that could hold me, particularly because being in New York, although we have a small and growing, beautiful situation, it is quite a small samba and a bit of an outpost, and there is a sort of element of isolation. But I felt really held even before being able to come to this conference. And part of that was knowing that I love my community, I cherish my community. I've tried to leave many times, but it's been impossible. It's just this gravitational pull that keeps on bringing me back. I know this is my home. And I knew that on a number of topics. It would be difficult in a number of areas, particularly around questions of race, of gender, and other forms of challenges. And yet I felt ready for the work and ready to turn towards these difficult topics because of the, the possibility of connection in a larger Buddhist community and learning from other sanghas and having really a long view so that was seven years ago. And then finally arriving here for the first time, took a little while. Yeah, I arrived quite tired and quite stuck, I think, emotionally, spiritually. I also had some physical health issues hitting a wall professionally, academically, in other ways. And I just feel refreshed. Mm-hmm. I feel really refreshed. I really feel healing. Yeah. It's quite magical. Actually, I'm not quite sure I know what happened. <laughs> 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 and so I hope, I mean, what a perfect, you know, it was so helpful, David, to hear you explain that again, because in that little yellow post-it, where in the healing ritual you had us name, what we're turning towards an aspiration, I realized everything I wrote actually was just remembering <laughs> just remember just remember
4: <laughs> i love i love that you use the word remembering because mm. i just had a somatic experience when you said remembering because there's something about us being dismembered mm. that you know the members of the, the body members mm. being dismembered you yeah. know we're talking about coming back to the body because yeah. really microaggressions do dismember us yeah they really do so thank you
8: Monsara because you helped me retrieve <laughs> I don't think I realized how alone I've been. And I don't think I fully computed the impact of the pandemic and all that's happened in these last few years until this climate. I mean, I kind of knew it intellectually, Mm. but I don't think I really knew it in my heart and in my body. And this community provided a context for me to really acknowledge that and be held. And I'm just very, very grateful. Mm.
0: One of the themes at the start of the gathering was this idea of liminality and the liminal space. Liminal literally means a threshold. And Seamus Heaney talks about poetry as a liminal space and there's this very beautiful essay, I can't remember which book it's in, I think it's The Government of the Tongue, where he talks about you go to the threshold and you come back. You go to the threshold and you come back. And tonight we had those little bowls in the middle of the floor and people went and put their thing in and then they sat down and reflected again and then they went back again and I suppose we're all leaving this is, as you were saying, epide this is still here and the fact that it's here and these people are here in this space is here is incredibly sportive and we're in the phase now where we're going to be going away from the threshold what does that feel like? as you take your leave of everyone and you take your leave of this particular space knowing that at some point it's here to come back to
5: I think for me, some form of alchemy happened at this gathering, honestly. Opayeti mentioned not realizing until you got here. The toll of the pandemic, I had a very similar experience and I don't even know how to explain how in like two days, I feel completely different. It just feels like plugging back into a magical network of Buddha Dharma blessings that, you know, somehow I had contracted away from into myself. I think that's priceless and I appreciate all of y'all and everyone. For me, I think it's a real moment of like a cracking open and a growth that I wasn't expecting when I started driving down.
4: Yeah, I, I'm i just really going away from this threshold with two things. I will be meeting with my local order. I have a kind of sense of what I want the theme to be. And what I'm taking away is how to be a better bodhisattva. It was in the meeting that we had in a group, and you told the story of the Buddha on a pirate ship, and it really answered that question for me of how to deal with the suffering out there in the world. You know, it really did answer that question. What do I do if I see somebody come into the space with a gun? What do I do? And that story of the pirate, of realising as a bodhisattva that sometimes you take the karma to do the right thing, that you take the karma in this lifetime. So thank you, the two of you.
1: I don't know, it's just occurring to me now, so it might not come out that clearly, but... I think I'm taking away from this conference what I always take away, but I always forget until I come back. (laughs) And it's kind of ironic because I feel like I'm going away feeling more confidence and feeling more grounded and feeling more of a sense of a clear direction for my place in my own tradition. There's something about reaching out and being in connection with all of these other people from other traditions sort of reminds me of who I am and the place I'm in and how I can show up more and more skillfully in that place. I find that uh, a very powerful effect of this, and I, I want to try and remember that.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I said this sun towards the end, and I really do mean this. It, it reminds me right? To be able to see your faces, even though if I imagine where I send this wish out on a daily basis, but to remember that you're all out there doing this amazing work and it has all of its flavors and all of its variances and everything else, but that has this incredible potential. Mm -hmm. We have no idea, even if we don't see it in our lifetime or we don't see the people we touch, or we don't see the people they touch and so on and so on and so on. It, reminds me uh you know this lineage it goes back almost 3000 years he meant to convert right it was an offering he was the original convert through his own realization self-realization and then he woke others up and it was through going through countries over the millennia that we get to do this and we get to carry it forward it re-inspired me so thank you for being a part of my practice Mm -hmm.
2: I love what you said at the end as well, we're the people that you do meta for, and I love that. It's like we send loving kindness out into the world, and then we come to something like this and we meet people who are doing similar things, like similar lights out there, who we can join forces with and be a bigger light. Something I'm taking away is more of that connection, less... I'm on my own or I'm in my own community. In this place that has tons and tons of dharma, New York City is dripping with dharma. And I just discovered this week that just three blocks from my house is where a group is meeting, different group is meeting. So I'm going away with connection. I'm going away with like a full heart and and a sense of there are people around. There are lots of bright Bodhi beings just down the street from where (laughs) I live, amazing.
5: It's like each of us thinks we're a light bulb, and then it turns out we're a string of lights
1: together. <laughs> or a forest of fireflies.
7: Mm. Coming back to this idea of liminality, Kurt Spellmeier in an article on Tricycle a number of years ago said that liminality in between this is the Dharma's dwelling space. What I feel, even though in some ways you could say, yes, we're crossing the threshold, we're going back to our lives, we're continuing our work with something that we brought forward as we pass through this time. But there's another aspect of us that remains in this liminal space, remains in the dharma space of not knowing, of not fixing anything in particular, allowing everything to be fluid, to be flexible, the non-dual realm. And I find myself, because of the pandemic, because it was such a liminal space, actually trusting that liminal space, that I don't know, and it's okay that I don't know, space and to actually have a foothold, or a hand, or some part of my being that is always connected to that. Even as I'm reaching across a threshold and trying to manifest something, there's always this part of me that's willing to just give over to, I don't know. And that gives me a sense of relief because it means this individual, it reminds me, I can't do it alone. I don't know what the ripples of my activity, my effort is going to be. And that's okay. Right? May whatever it is bear fruit, whatever the ways the sound waves of my voice, my life were brought out, may they be of great benefit to all beings. And I let go of it. Mm-hmm. simply let go of it.
6: Mm-hmm.
7: Nothing to hold on to.
6: I'm second that. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of everything every Once.
8: So. I think what's arising for me just now is some acceptance and self-compassion around. The fact that these last few years, and I said pandemic, but I realize I'm using that word as a placeholder for the huge, big hairball, the gigantic, unfathomable blob of multi layered suffering that would just take a long string of words to name. So it's not just the way coronavirus turned everything upside down and so forth, as much as it was also a creative opportunity. But New York was an epicenter for a lot, and it was devastating. But it's also the degradation of civil discourse, it's also violence, it's also racism, it's you know the active campaign that's stigmatizing trans kids and non-binary kids. It's all the fires we've had, the floods, I mean literally. Anyway, so the list goes on, it's overwhelming, even just trying to name everything. I can feel myself losing breath. And so what's arising in this moment is just some acceptance around The fact that these last few years have simultaneously accelerated my spiritual growth, if you will, as a practitioner and as a teacher, and also stunted my growth. Also stunted me as a practitioner and as a teacher, and I need help, and that's okay. and Just having some acceptance around it.
6: Mm
0: it's lovely just to look around the room I wish you could all see them we'll we'll, we'll take a photograph at the end just so that people can see your faces falling asleep falling asleep (laughs) asleep. don't worry we're rounding up now so I guess the richness of all of that is where we are at the end we're going to leave this space and may we all be met again together Mm. with other beings who we haven't yet met or who might return to this particular gathering remains just to thank Paidee David Simon Claire Singhashree Lumala Sara Stephanie and Ananta thanks to you for listening as usual if you enjoyed this then please just hear what people have to say what was it rilke says you must change your life Mm. yeah you must change your life you know how to do that already you know what matters already look after each other and we'll be back with another episode of the buddha center podcast very soon but for now take care
1: Thank thank you